I wrote this book. It's called Cut Your Drug Costs. All right. And I sold this ebook. And I didn't make a lot of money on it though. You know, I spent like six months writing. Vikram, I'll ask you, how many, how much money do you do you think I made on that book in my first month? What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? Dr. Vikram Raya is a functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert, is here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life. Unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness, all while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Vikram Ryan. Today, I have a good friend, a good guest. His name is Dr. Mike Wu Ming. He is one of the OGs or the original gangsters of the freedompreneur or the doctor who stepped outside of medicine to really define and really enjoy a, a, a phenomenal life. And um, I consider him a friend. I consider him a high-powered coach. I consider him a mentor. I consider him an entrepreneur. And I consider him a master of marketing. So I really want you guys to lean into this episode and gain the the pearls that this man's about to drop. So let's get into it, Mike. Welcome to the show, man. Vikram, honored to be here. Thanks for allowing me the time. Yeah, yeah. You are one of those archetype limitless MDs out there. And um, what made you have the courage to do your some of these first ventures? The courage that I got, um, and I can tell you exactly uh, what brought me to where I wanted to be. But I remember working in a the hospital. And again, like, a, like the, I, I said yes to everything. So I said, oh, you know. Uh, you can take extra call, you know, okay, sure, I'll do that. They, and being the, the low man on the totem pole, the, the youngest man in the group, you know, it just so happens they tended to get call on, on Christmas and, you know, Thanksgiving. We were a group where we were primary care and we didn't have a hospital system. So we were taking call. Like, it was tough call. It's like, it wasn't easier than residency. It's actually, I think, it's actually worse. We had like 12 admissions a night. We were kept out. But I remember being on call, and it was on Christmas morning, and I met a uh, – well, I knew of another doctor who worked with us. He kind of shared call, but he had a solo practice. He was he was in his 60s, but he looked like he was in his 80s. Oh, my God. And, yeah, and he was in the, in the ER. We're both working up a patient. I was asking, hey, you know, Dr. X, you know, what, what, why are you here? You know, shouldn't be with your family on a Christmas morning. He says, well, you know, Mike – you know, if you work holiday call, you get make an extra 100, 350 bucks on holiday call. Yeah, you know, I said to myself, man, you don't look so good. And 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 I was like, is this what I want my life to be? You know, in the future, this is a guy. He's you know, he looks older than his stated age, not in the best of health. Knowing that if I work holiday, I'll make an extra three hundred fifty dollars. And I go, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that. I don't. That's not how my career. That's what where I wanted to see myself. So that led me into extra streams of income, side gigs. And I said, what can I do to explore? You know, at the time, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't know much about real estate other than I owned my own house. You know, I looked at things like multi-level marketing, didn't really float my boat, not something I was interested in. But because of the lessons that I learned from my medical advice site, I said, you know, there's something to this internet. And in fact, this is in the days, this was like 2003, right? 
You know, there's very little things going on. There is no website makers. You know, I built my own website. I learned HTML. I learned how to do that myself. And and I remember I bought a book. It was called uh, Make My Site Sell. Uh, it was written by actually an ER doctor. His name was Ken Evoy back in the day. And it was basically how to make your site more profitable. So I was look, trying to get marketing tips for my own website. And just so happens, I buy this book. I buy another book called Multiple Streams of Income. Also another book called Multiple Streams of Internet Income. I mean, um, and I was like, wow, this is opening my eyes. Because all I learned was, to, if I need to make more money, I need to see more patients. That was the only thing that, that I learned to do. But then, you know, by having my website, I learned leveraging. I learned about marketing. I said, you know, I want to learn more about these things. So I, I buy all these books. I remember in about one online book, I was at Making Money Online. And just so happens, I get on their email list. And they said, hey, we're having a, a conference in Las Vegas called the Internet Marketing Super Conference. And we're going to meet all these guys who are making millions of dollars. And I go, yeah, right. As most This is a scam, whatever. I then happen to get on, just so happens, I get on all these different lists. I, I started for the speakers list. And then they're talking to me. And then... Um, I go to this, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a conference. I'm just going to tell my boss, I'm just going to go to a conference. I, I, I may have even said it was a medical conference, but you know, it, was, it was a conference. And, but it was not a medical conference. I didn't get any CME. It was an internet business conference. And um, their speaking are some names you may have heard of. Ryan Dice, Jeff Walker, this is one of his first speaking engagements. These are guys, you know, I learned Frank Kern became a mentor of mine. He's also big in that area. And it just opened my eyes to a group of people, many of whom, you know, maybe they graduated high school. Many of them didn't grade college. They were millionaires. And I befriended one of the speakers who was, uh, you know, a millionaire who was making a lot of his money online. And I said, you know, I want to do what you do. Wait a minute. I want to just stop there, guys. Sure. That question, he befriended a speaker who's already where he wants to be and yeah. asked him, hey, I want to be where you are. And essentially, you asked for help and mentorship and guidance. Right, right. It, right. Uh, you know, it's funny. I just, I go to a lot of, you know, a lot of masterminds and I have uh, many different mentors, in, including yourself. And uh, an advice that uh, you said, it kind of resonated with me, is, that, is to find people who are old, wealthy, and happy. And do the same thing they're doing. <laughs> yes, I like it. It's it's so simple, but it makes sense. And he wasn't old, but he was wealthy, and and he was happy. And he talked to me about, uh, you know, the internet. And again, early on, and you know, these are days when, if I could go back in those days, you could get an ad, and you could put an ad. You would pay ten cents to get on Google you know, yeah. for an ad. Yeah, and so I started to build businesses that that went online, and I started to create uh, what were known as information products. So I created little digital eBooks. This is before Kindle and came out. So, you know, my mentor taught me. He says, you know, write about what you know. And I said, well, I know medicine. And then he says, well, are there things in medicine that people will want to know? And he said, you know, what are the questions that you get every day? And back then, just probably in here, I said, you know, people are always asking me, like, how they can save money on their medical bill. The medical bill is too expensive. So I wrote a book 
and it was called uh, and I learned all these different things about you know how you could save money like going choosing generics over brand name you know choosing different health cards that could save money and I wrote this book it was called Cut Your Drug Costs all right and I sold this ebook and I didn't make a lot of money on it though you know I spent like six months writing Vikram I'll ask you how many how much money do you do you think I made on that book in my first month <laughs> uh ten bucks. Oh, come on. I, I'm one of your coaches. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, okay. Let's call it $1,000. No. So it was a $20 book. Yeah, how much e-book. was it? $20. Okay. From 1995 or 1997. Okay. And I made $60 that first month. Okay. But, you know, someone would say, well, that's a failure. You spent six months writing. I mean, if it wasn't about pictures, it would probably be like 40-page book. But the thing is, I made that money while I was sleeping. Yes. Yes. No, that's it's, what t- it's that first I, proof of concept. Hey, yeah, I've been able now, like I created something once and it will keep paying over and over whether I touch it or not, as long as there's like some ad flow into the funnel. So I think that's the concept. And so let's translate that because where you are now is so much more, you know, uh, the journey is just amazing. So let's, let's really talk about it. So you've done so many different things and you you've you've done so many different uh professions almost careers in fact and so you really are a renaissance man uh that started as a physician but you've ended up as this you know really powerful coach investor entrepreneur and all the other things i talked about but what still drives you first to move forward and number two now that you've been in this space for a while what's going to be some of the advice you have for the younger younger doctors coming in i think what moves me i mean there, there's a lot of things for me first and foremost it's it's my family so and that's what drove drove everything uh, you know I, I didn't mention but i was I have a child with special needs uh, he's an adult now he's doing great and i wanted to be there for him and that's why i actually when i started these internet companies that's what drove me to actually retire from medicine for several years i got back into medicine because I, I love medicine and i started up my own uh practices but I've always enjoyed working with other physicians because I see, as you see, so much straights out there in terms of like doctors seeing declining reimbursements, uh, you know, we're, we're smart, but it seems each time more and more is, is taking away from our paycheck. And, you know, even with COVID, I never thought it, we would have doctors who actually would go on furlough. I never thought that was even possible. Um, and so, I get really excited working with other doctors and helping them to get what, what help them with their goals. That's why uh, a big part of me is is coaching and seeing this. But in terms of like what actually moves me, I mean, be honest, I don't need more stuff. You know, I've got a nice house, I've got you know um, a nice car, I've got a family, but it's all about you know the generational wealth. Like, what can I bring to them? So. Um, my my purpose now is kind of like building up my practices, uh, building my businesses. But as in any business, you'd always just think about selling uh, your your business. And what I learned in terms of uh, you know people who are like what they consider the ultra wealthy people are making thirty million over a year, uh, where they make most of their money is a liquidity event. So they've sold something that's big. You know, sure you're going to make your money as a business owner. You know, you know, profits come in, profit and loss take, but you're going to make some where they're actually making it and where they can sell it for, you know, a bigger multiple. 
is you know a bus- a business you know selling it at a higher multiple selling real estate that's where they're getting their big you know chunk of of money so that's kind of like what what pushes me it is having that that generational wealth because you know my for my son you know unfortunately he's not going to be able to to work on his own uh, but I want to and I've only got so many years on this planet I want to be able to give him that so um, and for my my other sons so when he has his family they have something that they they can uh, you know, grow and thrive with. So let's talk about this concept. So, you know, private equity is on pretty much everyone's uh, uh, forefront now as they've really made a huge push into the medical space and they're starting to buy clinics. They're starting to roll these clinics up. Um, you know, the typical PE formula, uh, basically uh, buy like kind businesses, remove inefficiencies, optimize operations, and then uh, drive up NOI growth or income growth and then sell at a multiple. So instead of them playing that game to us as physicians, how can we play the game where we can really make our practices sellable to private equity on our terms and and really what makes a clinic a sellable asset versus a pain in the butt that you just have to walk away from or quote unquote sell your charts to somebody which no one will pay anything for nowadays? Yeah, and I think it's because, you know, I had that business mindset, you know, don't get me wrong. I didn't get an MBA. This is the, the, you know, the school of hard knocks, you know, owning a business. I think the the best way that you can actually know about learning a business is have pay for payroll every couple of weeks. It's definitely going to keep you aware of, of that. And that, and that's something I don't think an MBA can ever replicate of actually doing it and being responsible for the people that you employ and to help them with their uh, families. But in terms of like, business and we know the state of private practice we know there are more non-physicians owning practices than physicians private practice ownership by doctors are declining each and every year and the reason that they do is because you know just think of my my solo practitioner friend who i i met many years ago when he sold his practice when he had his practice he passed away the practice closed it didn't sell and those are like most practices because if you want to you know, when you're looking to sell your house, you have to make sure you get the most. You have to put your, and you're the expert in real estate. You have to make sure you've got that curb appeal. You want to make sure that what what does the seller mind like? What can I do to optimize, you know, my house when I when I sell it? There are certain things that you need to have, or other things that you know you may not have. And it's the same thing in your practice. So when I was looking, when I had my practice, I think one thing that I I've done early on is I took myself out of the practice. I took myself out of the practice and I wanted to make sure that the business could run on its own because that makes make them attractive to whoever you're selling it, but normally to private equity. If you have a, what most practices have is the doctor, the, the owner is usually the one seeing all the patients. Well, when you're selling that practice, the doctor isn't going to come with that practice. Or they may have it where they're working it for 10 years. That's how most most of them, them work. But, you know, when I see in my area, for example, like aesthetics, the plastic surgery practices don't sell because it, you got to pay that plastic surgeon. What sells is the med spa. They have a med spa component of it. You know, that's one where they can hire the, the nurse practitioner or the PA, or the PA comes with it, the RN, or they have devices that make money, on, you know, with a with an operator, you know, with a laser 
technician, et cetera, because those are the ones that that, that is, is is making the money. And private equity, let's face it, we're all in it here to make money. And they want, you know, when I learned about, uh, you know, I, I played a little bit in the franchise game early on, and, and I learned a lot about franchise owners. And, you know, you know, I worked with a company called Massage Envy. It was a big massage, it's a massage uh, yeah. Uh, franchise. Yeah. And what I learned from them is like the, these people who buy these things, they don't buy like one Massage Envy. They buy like 10 Massage Envy. They buy 15 Dunkin' Donuts. They, and, you know, they buy 20 car washes. Because at the end of the day, all they care about is if they're going to buy a service oriented business is that they invested some money. Some money, something is going to happen, that a service is going to be provided, and at the end they make more money. So that's what they're looking for in terms of like what what they're buying. To be honest, they they they, did, they you know we saw this. They're they in dermatology before they were in dentistry. That's really actually kind of what they're looking at, and they want to looking for a model that can be replicated. So one is a uh, a, a replicatable model. And I, I would say, I think you are hinting at this, but I'm just going to say it so that our audience really understands it. Sure. It is the reason why plastic surgery solopreneurship is not as exciting as this practice surgery solopreneurship with the med spa is because it, it, it the magic sauce is that sur- surgeon. So if you can right. essentially have it where you can still have a surgeon and you can still sell a, a practice, but it doesn't have to be the surgeon. It can be a surgeon. And so really... Getting rid of any kind of secret sauce, any kind of secret sauce of the of the owner, the founder, right? Where we can, you want to make it more cogs that you can replicate and and replace as needed, and and then I guess not recycle, but more. I would say it's recurring revenue is the key. Recurring, Recur- predictable revenue will make is one of the fundamental tenets to making your practice sellable. Correct, correct. For example, in the aesthetics, Marcus. Um, familiar with like Botox and fillers. Those are usually people who are coming in for Botox. They're coming in every three, maybe four months. And so what they're looking for is, do you have patients that are coming in, you know, 300, 500, whatever, are they coming in on a recurring level? You know, for practices like, you know, for like, let's say you're going to get bariatric surgery, for example, they're probably going to have it like one surgery, one surgery in their life and they're gone. They're not really interested in that type of model. They're looking for you know, like it's a massage envy. They're coming in once a month with car washes. You have a membership. Are they coming in? Is there a membership model to it? That's what they're they're looking for. They want sustainable, predictable, recurring revenue. Right. And things that are not going to be disrupted by perhaps AI, government regulations, economic cycles as much. They, they're looking for these kind of things. So replicatable, there shouldn't be a special owner or a special like magic thing for it to run and the way if you are in a clinic like this and you really want to see if you truly have something sellable go on vacation for a month if your revenue drops if there's problems that arise if no there's no sop there's no automations there's no systems in place then it's not sellable uh, and it's as simple as that and and I, I think mike you and i would have to agree they should probably run some type of operating system right a lot of franchises have a operating system they have a way of doing business the you know chick-fil-a way the walmart way the something even higher end um like you're telling me about that some of these franchise stories recently like but even the medical franchises they have a sort of way of doing things like the massage envies there's a protocol so is there a way that there's a system a b c d 
strategy where some random person who doesn't have to be in your profession, but they're just a savvy business person can run your protocol and replicate your same business model without you being there. And if that's the case, that is successful. Exactly. And, and you know, some doctors kind of kind of cringe or when, when I tell them this is I don't see many patients. Um, we're like in the midway of this month. I haven't seen a patient this month. <laughs> Hopefully the medical board is looking. But I have nurse practitioners. I have five nurse, four nurse practitioners and one PA who sees the patient. So they're do, we do aesthetics. We're doing weight loss. I'm available, of course, at a moment's notice, but I'm not I am not seeing patients because if I'm seeing the patients, it's time for money, right? And and that's what we, we try to teach, you know, our, our physicians is we, we've all done time for money. But if your business is based upon you seeing it, seeing as many patients as, as you do, you need to think about other different models. It's about building more, more income that, that, you know, makes money, you know, like my example of, of why you, why you sleep or why you're doing other different things, because there will always be a level that you can grow. You know, you can't scale that. And if you want to get to the level that, that you want, as many of the listeners do, you have to be able to make money without you actually doing all the work. Yeah. And, and you know, I know a few surgeons who can probably hit or like few surgeons or some other medical professionals that go greater than a million dollars a year. But really high six figures is usually the cap on trading hours for dollars. In, in my opinion, it's very there's probably, again, 5% of the doctors who can make more than that still trading hours for dollars. But in general, 95% of doctors, their cap is in that six-figure range. It could be still a very high figures, but that's the case. And then in most cases, when physicians go on vacation, unless they're employed, which is a different business model we're not talking about, but if they own a clinic, they lose money when they go on vacation. That is typically what we see. So if now, let's say they do all of these things we talked about. They create automate the systems, the protocols, the automations, the business operating systems. The uh, They create an org chart. They have team members, employees. Everyone is operating. And there's a practice manager who really runs the, the thing. And then they're able to take themselves off. They're owners and not operators. And they put another physician in their place. And so now they're really more of a CEO. And they're able to have a stable and actually slightly increasing revenue year after year. Now they potentially could be ready to find a buyer, maybe a private equity. Walk us through what that looks like, Mike. So I can tell you just in, in my experience, because different, you know, there are different, you know, medical practices, for example, but, you know, in the aesthetics market, you know, a typical med spa is, is making maybe 1.5 to 2.5 million a year. If they were to sell that business, that one, business they might would have it's called uh, EBITDA uh and it's during and I always forget <laughs> get yeah. the abbreviation it's essentially it's, it's, like, yeah. it's like earnings before taxes debt insurance and something like that but bottom line is it's right. profit it's what it really means is it's your real profit correct right and so if they were to buy it they would probably buy it on one maybe 1.5 EBITDA so if you're making 1.52 million profit you might get 2.5 million and eh, that's great. But if you create a replicatable model, you know, my mentor asked me, you know, to, you know, you're doing well. Couldn't you just do that in a different location? And I said, well, yeah, there's no reason why I can't do that. And so, uh, yes, there's cost to doing that. But if you, you know your metrics, you know your SOPs, and you truly believe that it is scalable, there's no reason you can't do it in, in another location. 
And so when you do that, when you, when it's come to doing, you know, three, you know, five, you know, 10, instead of getting one to 1.5 EBITDA, you might be getting three X, five X, 10 X, you know? So if you're doing, you know, let's say you're doing, you have five clinics doing 2 million, you're getting 10 million, you might get 80 million, 60, 50, 100 million, you know, on it. Why do they do that? Because Private equity, you know, there, and there's level, different levels of private equity. You do, you do, would they rather work with 10 individual owners or they would rather work with one owner who's got 10 locations and paying them in higher multiple? And you show that your system is replicatable. That's much more valuable to them. And uh, you're going to make more in the process. Yeah, and it's similar in real estate, guys. Look, you can buy one single family home, which is great. That's nice. Or you can buy a quad, which is good. There's a, a four four units, you know, uh, quad quadplex. Or you could buy a hundred unit, and everything is consolidated. You have professional property management. It's easier to get debt, and the value of that is driven now by the actual income, and not by the owner or whoever or the comps even. And so what that means is it's it's we actually institutions, investors, private equity, we, people actually like to write bigger checks because they, they want a bigger impact. They want actually more returns and they want simplification of, of the whole process. The bigger it is, in fact, it's easier, the easier it is. And there's a book <laughs> that really talks about a lot of this. Uh, me and Mike are sharing here. It's really, you know, 10X is easier than 2X. And this is by Benjamin Hardy and uh, Dan Sullivan, the founder of Strategic Coach. And really, this is that concept, guys. Bigger is better in many cases. And, but you got to do it in an intelligent way. You got to do it in a strategic way. And probably you want to start with the end in mind when you get started, like similar to what Mike is doing, right? Uh, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about some of the businesses you're running? So, yeah. So my practice, you know, my main practice is, is a, a aesthetic practice, uh, a wellness practice. We do hormones. We do a weight loss. It's all cash. Uh, and yeah, and it, it's doing well. So now my goal is to continue to replicate, you know, that model. So, you know, my, my profits is put on to, to start up the next book. And then we're always trying to, you know, we could always do better. You know, there's always things that, that we could improve. It's interesting. You had mentioned AI. You know, there are things that we can be incorporating in AI that can, can help us. Uh, you know, payroll is, is the biggest expense for, for any type of business. Um, but what I love about the business is, you know, unlike COVID, you know, here in California, we, we were shut down primarily, you know, because it wasn't considered an essential uh, business. But it was, you know, don't tell that to my patients when they're Botox with this. <laughs> and it was one of the few um, types of businesses that survived and, and thrived after COVID. You know, as we see in retail, you know, uh, we we have, you know, shopping malls that are you know nearly empty. Yeah, they're ghost uh, towns. They're ghost towns, Amazon and um, big, you know, Walmart, they're all kind of taking over. At least in this space, and you know, not going so far, this can't be completely replicable. You still have, if you want to get yeah, a touch up, you still got to see somebody, you know, maybe in I mean, the future, you can get a, a digital touch up, you know, but that in the, <laughs> if you go in person, you know, you still need to have someone shove a needle in your face to get that yeah, Botox yeah. in there, uh, unless they have some home kits, which I don't know about yet. <laughs> So, so exactly. There, these are things that are not going to be outsourced anytime soon. So it's almost, you know, relatively recession resistant. So these are the kind of things that are like, you know, you need to go to a dentist no matter what. There's no way you're going to get around not going to a dentist. So 
Um, and then it's great because yours is cash based. So again, if your marketing is better, if you the look in the field is better, the referrals are better. If you know how to turn the lead generation uh, lever up, uh, then you can essentially create your own profit margin on this thing. And, and it's great. And then he has three clinics. I think he's starting his fourth. He may have mm-hmm. seven or eight in the next couple of years. I mean, it's great. This is how you grow. This is how you scale. And then, you know, what are the potential exits? Like, you know, for someone like like you, Mike, or a similar, uh, let's say a person has, there's a doctor with six clinics of some sort. Perhaps it's a, a vascular surgeon or it's a, maybe it's a plastic surgeon or it's maybe it's a, uh, a, an orthopedist or something like what, like when, when you have six, seven, eight, what happens then? Yeah, th- that's interesting. You know, it goes that way we talked about it. It's a clinic making money, you know, when you're not there. I think that is kind of the, the litmus test. You know, I do see, I do see this where a doctor, you know, a surgeon, he says, I have three locations, you know, but what he doesn't tell you is he has to drive to all three locations <laughs> and he's just making, you know, now he's just doing three times as much work. Are there services that you can bring that don't require you? And now what we see, and again, you know, you know, I know that this is kind of like, you know, people don't like it, but there are many practices that are run by, you know, quote unquote, mid-level providers. It's happening in my state. It's happening there. It's already happening as well. I still feel that a physician should be at least leading that, you know, in, in my practices, I teach and I educate and I, and I trust the work that my, you know, my providers do, they do an excellent job. It shows in our reviews and shows uh, on awards that we've won. So it's going to happen anyway. And I still feel physicians should be at the top of the health. It's just now we're looking for which physicians are going to step up to take that lead because there's a lot of opportunity. I try to see, try to be an optimist and see, see it, it the glass is, is, is half full. And I think if more physicians take that lead, they can be in, in charge of a patient's health. And there's still patients who want that. And that's where the direction that, that I see. So hopefully if somebody's listening, they're ready to take charge. So Mike, I want to take it one step further. Guys, we don't, we're not saying just give everything out to the mid-levels or anything like that. Look, you can have the mid-levels intelligently being utilized in your practice. And there should be a doctor. What we're saying is that doctor does not have to be you. That is the most powerful thing I want you to say. Oh, but I really love medicine. No one's saying not to practice. Practice for the fun of it. Have a fun day, half day clinic or have a two days, two days a week just for the fun of it. But let's say you're on vacation in Europe, in Italy, uh, you know, in in the um, Positano for a month, there should be no drop in revenue. Because the real physicians, I mean, when I mean real physician, that means that the day in, the day out physician, the one who clock in and clock out, the W-2 physician is taking the brunt of the work. And you're the CEO, founder physician who's practicing medicine for fun. That's what we're saying. So then you can wrap up your seven, eight, nine, ten 10 clinics to uh, a hospital system, uh, uh, you know, uh, private equity or whatever. And the last thing is we talked about ortho and things like that, like these orthodox, right? They also have options. Like they can start a regenerative medicine practice, which can be done by PAs or NPs that are overseen perhaps by a physician. Doesn't even have to be an ortho physician. Maybe it could be an internal medicine physician that's in an ortho practice, just managing the NPs and PAs. So it's you, it's thinking outside the box. It's thinking about leverage. It's thinking about how do I use all these levers? And, you know, 
what I learned from Naval Ravikant and also from Alex Ramosi and some of these really big thinkers in in sort of the business and medicine space are uh, there's four levers you can pull. And Mike has really eloquently talked about a lot of the levers. The first level we know is labor, right? Getting other people, right? First, you're a solo guy. Then you hire a front desk. Then you hire a practice manager. Then you hire an admin. Then you hire a first NP. Then you hire an MA, right? Labor's great. That's great. Next is capital, right? Either you can start reinvesting your own money into your practice to make it grow. You can take a SBA loan. You can get a medical loan, a bank loan, friends and family loan, right? Outside equity or capital. The third way is, uh, or investors as you get bigger. Third way is unlevered and levered permissions uh, in the digital space. So what I mean is code and eyeballs. So in code, you can. there's two ways. There's actual code. You can actually code things. If you know how to do that, and that can help perhaps you create a, a breakthrough technology that 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 helps you know automate a lot of your processes in your clinic, or you know how to use more language-based code, which is AI now with these LLMs, large language models. And that's very powerful. And then the final way is eyeballs. So what we what we mean by Mike and I are saying this is the media. It's it's are you savvy in social media? Do you know how to market? Do you know how to gain? attention and when you do that then you're able to drive things up and so drive people to your clinic drive people to your ancillary services drive referrals testimonials etc so if you can pull these four main levers we talked about which is code media capital and labor you can go beyond the typical realm of physician which is a six-figure cap i love it i love it and, it, and it's daunting nobody says it, it it's easy but it's just like anything, you know, it's just skills that you need to learn. If you want to become the best surgeon, what are you going to do? You're going to shadow the surgeons. So if you want to be the best entrepreneur, the best practice owner, shadow successful practice owners. It's an exciting time. It can be a frightening time, but, you know, that's why, you know, as entrepreneurs, you have to accept risk. And for many that you're not able to do it, but it's the ones who are going to thrive and, and able to, to use fear and, and to use it in, in the right way. They can become a Limitless MD. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, Mike, wh- what's what's sort of the best way for them to get into your ecosystem um, and and become like a Freedom Five Doc? What's uh, yeah, I I, I think the website uh, I believe is is a Freedom Five Doc dot com. Freedom Five Doc dot com, and uh, if you want to 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 join, I'm I'm one of the uh, coaches. I, I may even know the the founder of that. You know, I forgot his name. Nice guy. <laughs> nice nice guy. Uh, but uh, yeah, and we'd love for you to become part of it. If, if this is something that maybe someone has said that resonated with you, maybe you're in a situation right now and and uh, you're kind of seeing, kind of going through the motions and and, and want to know what else can I can I do? You know, I, I never like the thing is like I'm just a doctor. There's only that's the only thing I, I've learned. Don't let those uh, you know restraints hold you down. You can really do anything that you want. You just got to put your mind to it. And, and and get what you want because no one's going to do it for us. And as, as physicians, the great what we do is, is it's physicians helping other physicians to get them where they want to be. That's awesome, Mike. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. Uh, thanks for being like an amazing coach to all these young physicians out there who are just uh, getting ready to become the new breed of doctors who are really ready to embrace the freedoms. Uh, practice on their own terms and really not have to sacrifice between wealth and family and not having to have sacrifice between love of medicine and love of business. They can do it all.
Yeah, and they don't have to be young too. We have young, we have middle, yeah. <laughs> we have old, yeah, yeah, OGs we have, like myself. Yeah. I, I say young and heart. Like if you're exactly. from thirty to seventy, come on down. Come on, come on <laughs> down. All right, Vikram was a pleasure. Much enjoyed it. Thank you guys. All right, guys. Until next time, be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. Until next time, be phenomenal.